filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Caligiuri. What's going on, you guys? Hope you guys are having a good start to your week. I'm back. Back, healthy, strong like an ox, baby. Strong like an ox. It's funny. I had this nasty cold that just kicked my butt, like I told you guys last week. And... A lot of people who also got the same cold, they're still suffering with it. And they're like, what did you do? So quick little tidbit for you guys. I don't know if you want to take this one as a, as a golden nugget, but um, I actually do this little thing where I have um, I have a blender, just blend tech, whatever. I'll throw some kale in there. Then I'll throw garlic in. I'll throw some onions in. I'll throw some ginger in, a little bit of water, blend that bad boy up, and I'll take it down. It burns on the way down. I drop to a knee, but I tell you, for some reason, that's just... My elixir, every single time I get this nasty cold, I don't want it to stick around, I just down some of that, and the next day, next day or two, I feel great, and whatever I had that was in me is just gone, and I look at my friends, and they're still sniffling, still coughing, and I got over it, so in any case, I had something to kick my butt last week, appreciate you guys sticking through, and um, uh, uh, you know, not getting all up on me about not getting an episode out to you guys, uh, so I really appreciate that, and hey, if you guys get sick, you might want to try that yourself, but... In any case, guys, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where again, week after week, I bring books to you and condense them down to their core golden nuggets, saving you time from having to read it yourself. So this week, we have a really fun book. I like this book. It's a book by Ken Siegel, and it's called Insanely Simple, The Obsession That Drives Apple's Success. So when people are asked to name you know, some of the most innovative companies they can name, what do they name? The first one is usually Apple. One of the unique forces that drives Apple's innovation is their organization's dedication to something called simplicity. Simplicity is key. It's this passion for simplicity that generates high levels of customer enthusiasm, high levels of satisfaction, high levels of customer loyalty. I mean, myself, I mean, I have two iPhones, two iMacs, uh, you know, Apple products galore. And um, honestly, it's just because of its, the simplicity that they approach their technology with. So in Insanely Simple, Ken Siegel focuses on the 10 principles embraced by Apple that support simplicity. And by applying these principles, companies like yours can realize the benefits of simplicity in your own offerings, in your own branding, in your own organization. Like I said, you guys, this is a really fun book. I enjoyed reading it, and I'm going to really enjoy giving you guys the golden nuggets from this. There are 10 principles, so obviously 10 golden nuggets from this one. So I'll try to keep this one as short as possible because I know that's how you guys like it. So let's crack right into this one. Golden nugget number one. Think brutal. That's an interesting way to start off the podcast. Think brutal. Something Apple employees all do, and I can't say all and you know brush them all with the same stroke, but what I think the culture tries to achieve is that Apple employees are brutally honest with themselves. Not only brutally honest with themselves, but brutally honest with each other. And the reason this is important is because it results in greater focus, higher levels of morale, greater productivity, and it's this need to avoid beating around the bush that helps them get to their objective, help them achieve what they're trying to achieve. And while some might look at it and say, man, that's brutal. That's the culture you're signing up for. And it's a part of what makes them great. You know, employees, they understand their goals. They understand how soon those goals must be achieved, what the consequences will be if they fail to perform, if they miss expectations. And this kind of clarity 
It prevents complexity from entering the workplace. And again, what we're trying to achieve here is simplicity. So if you want simplicity, be brutal. Be brutally honest. Don't beat around the bush. Tell people exactly where they stand. Tell them exactly where they're missing the mark. Tell them exactly what you want to see. And again, remember, the whole notion of this book, guys, is about trying to achieve the insanely simple. And the only way you're going to do that is if you have... And the only way, the only way that simplicity is going to prevail in an organization is if there's a champion within the organization that fights complexity. They really truly dislike complexity. They have to fight against it. And so one of the things that um, Siegel witnessed, because he was an ad agency creative director and he worked directly with Apple. And so one of the things he noticed from them was that, you know, they were, they were extremely brutal with each other. They were brutally honest. And he said that he liked that. And the reason he liked that is because it was just, you knew exactly where you stood. You knew exactly what you had to do. There wasn't any wasted time. And so this honesty, this honesty is one of the aspects of simplicity that is the easiest to implement. Employees throughout the organization, they have to be honest with one another and avoid holding back. So your first step to becoming insanely simple, you got to be brutal. Think brutally honest. Again, come at it with respect, but at the same time, you got to be honest. If something sucks, you got to make sure that people know that this isn't up to snuff, that this is missing expectations. This is missing the mark, right? This idea of just avoiding beating around the bush, absolutely key to achieving the insanely simple. Golden nugget number two, think small. So Apple attacks projects using small groups of very smart people. And why do they do this? They do this because it helps them avoid complexity. And again, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to avoid complexity. We're trying to move towards simplicity, the insanely simple. So when Siegel was working with Apple, he noticed the attendee list for the meetings he attended were very small. And what this does, it illustrates one of the most important rules of simplicity. Assemble small groups of smart people and keep the groups small. Because as groups get larger, complexity becomes an undesirable byproduct. Small groups of small people form very close relationships that are based on common values and a sense of common purpose. And I can vouch for this personally. I've seen this. In any organization that tries to do any type of innovation, it gets really tough when you have very large groups of people sharing their feedback, giving their opinions. There's more things to consider, more opinions to go around, more objections, and it just slows things down. Complexity enters the realm. You know, so when I was working with organizations to help them develop products, develop service offerings, you know, from scratch, how big were the teams? I found that when I worked with teams of six people, that was the best. When I opened it up to even 10 people, it created an air of complexity. 12 people, it was very difficult to do. And I found around six, six was about the perfect mark I found. And so I kept these groups and these groups were responsible essentially for creating the idea, running that idea through, creating a business case for it, testing it in the marketplace, seeing if it actually worked. And with a group of six people, man, we moved so much faster. We made decisions faster. I felt there was greater alignment on the team. There was a better culture, a better just, I don't know, feeling of energy on the team as well. Less politics. You know, there was six of us, a small group. We're all here. We're all trying to achieve the same objective. It's really interesting. Something that Steve Jobs did, again, which kind of references golden nugget number one, was that he was never afraid to ask people to leave meetings if their presence wasn't needed in the meeting. You know the feeling. How many times have you been in a meeting where someone's in that meeting that they really shouldn't be there? You know, they're, they're talking a lot. They're giving a lot of their opinions. And you're sitting there wondering, why are you even here? 
You don't need to be in this meeting. Get out of here. You have no vested interest in this, and quite frankly, you're not needed. So Jobs, like I referenced in Golden Nugget number one, he applied brutal honesty in these large group situations to help achieve the insanely simple. He wants to drive complexity out, and by having somebody in a meeting that doesn't need to be there, increases complexity. Pull them out. Rip them out of there. So by following this philosophy of think small when it comes to your teams, when it comes to group projects, you're going to actually increase your efficiency, increase your productivity, because you're going to be pulling out people that maybe aren't essential. They don't need to be there. With a smaller team, you're going to have a greater uh, sense of cohesiveness. You're going to build more energy. And of course, again, this isn't to say that you might bring somebody on the team who isn't inefficient. I mean, I've been there before as well, too. But don't forget about point number one, being brutally honest. If somebody is there and they're distracting the team, if they're bringing the team in a direction that you know isn't aligned to the objective in terms of why the team was put together, exercise brutal honesty. And again, maybe these kind of things need to be brought out and say, listen, we have 10 rules on this group. One of them is brutal honesty. We need to be brutally honest with one another to ensure that we are moving in the most efficient and simple way possible. We need to make sure that we're moving in the most efficient way possible to increase simplicity and decrease complexity. Think small when it comes to your groups. Golden nugget number three, think minimal. So when people try to communicate more than one concept at a time, the audience loses attention. They lose interest. So whenever possible, a person should convey one idea at a time, or if that's not possible, find a common theme that will unite multiple ideas. It's the whole idea behind thinking minimal. When Apple released the iMac in May 1998, Steve Jobs also unveiled the company's new product strategy, which essentially was a very simple chart comprised of four quadrants. Laptops for consumers, laptops for pros. Desktops for consumers, desktop for pros. This new corporate roadmap embodied simplicity. And as a company, Apple is very disciplined about saying no to new products that don't fit into this roadmap. And it's this level of discipline. This level of discipline, it's extremely hard to achieve. Easier said than done. You know, many companies, they just find it far easier to fall into complexity by bringing new products, new services in. You know, they don't necessarily all fit. It's just a smattering of different products and services that their salespeople can sell or that their marketers can market. And as a result... You have an overwhelming number of product options, an overwhelming number of service options. Now you make it harder for sales to sell everything because now they have to have product knowledge in multiple areas. They have to understand each one. Now marketing, marketing has to have multiple case studies. Your website has to have different focuses. You need to communicate to different audiences. You need to have different groups of people that you're selling to. This becomes very, very difficult. No longer simple. This is now complex. And with this complexity, it's going to impact revenue. It's going to impact your ability to sell. It's going to impact the kind of employees you have. You might have a salesperson who's an expert in one level and not in another level. So that means now you might have to have two salespeople who excel in two areas. Well, all of a sudden, you just increased your overhead. And so this whole idea of complexity, this whole idea of thinking minimal is so important for your organization. Organizations, essentially, they have to have this, you know, laugh at it if you may, but a simplicity champion. You know, minimizing a product portfolio, it's extremely powerful, but it demands determination. It demands somebody with persistence, with drive. You need to have that simplicity champion internally. And I'll tell you right now, that simplicity champion, they better have thick skin because when you start cutting back certain services or you say, you know, we should be focusing in one direction, you're going to upset a lot of people. 
So it requires a lot of strength. One of the things that the author Siegel realized um, when he was working with Apple um, was, again, their level of simplicity when it came to their marketing, when it came to their communications. Very simple messages. Now contrast that to what he realized, um, what he noticed at Intel. Right, very complex. They have an extensive focus group testing microanalysis of, you know, their marketplace and how certain messages, you know, were um, were received. And this added a level of complexity. And this level of complexity impacted the advertising, which essentially brought about mediocre results. And it's tough, actually. For me, this was a really tough one because. You know, in a world where you have A-B testing and this microanalysis and focus group testing, you always think that these things are a good thing, don't you? I don't know if I agree with him on this either, you know? You're telling me that Apple doesn't do this stuff? Listen, you could do all those things just to get more intel. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Just more intelligence, more stimulus for you to think about. Again, just making sure that the person who is taking in all that stimulus has that simplistic mindset. So they say, I'm taking in all this information. Now, how can we communicate this in the simplest fashion possible? Essentially, one of the things I want you guys to take away from this one is that people tune out complicated, complex messages, but they respond very positively to a single idea that is clearly expressed. Again, for Apple, it was think differently. And this isn't a a, a, a tagline exercise here. It's just communication in general. Simplifying your communication is going to help ensure that people will understand it better. Think minimal. Golden nugget number four. Think motion. I kind of get this one. I kind of don't. If I was to leave one out, I'd probably leave this one out. But I'm going to share it with you guys anyways because it's one of the ten principles from the book. But... The whole idea here is that the ideal project time frame is one where people, they're in constant motion. There's no starts and stops. They're just going from start to finish. And having too much time, that increases complexity. And obviously, when you increase complexity, you increase, you know, you decrease productivity, you increase inefficiency. And so companies that realize this, they're more likely to achieve success. Right, to me, it's, it seems fairly simple. And I think maybe one of the things you can think about bringing in your organization is maybe different methodologies, like an agile methodology, for example, can help you reduce a lot of inefficiency, can help you get new iterations, new versions out. You know, a product development process, StageGate, for example, can help you manage the product development process more efficiently. I don't know. I, I get this point, whatever. I'm going to share it with you guys anyways, but to me, it wasn't really all that insightful. Golden nugget number five, think iconic. One way to focus the organization around an idea is to find an image, an image that symbolizes that idea in a very compelling way. Something simple, something strong, something memorable, an image that communicates more powerfully than words. When Steve Jobs returned to Apple, consumers, they no longer thought of Apple as that creative force that they once were. So Jobs, who was willing to invest in both the company's products and its brand image, began to develop and manufacture a new set of innovative products. And so he knew there would be, you know, at least a six-month to nine-month time frame before the new offerings were available to customers. So what he decided to do in the meantime was launch an ad campaign, an ad campaign that Siegel was a part of. And so Siegel, again, the author of this book, recognized that the theme of this advertising campaign It needed to be direct. It needed to be simple. The result? Think different. Again, think different. That iconic campaign that focused on people who had inspired Apple. You know, the ads, they featured a single iconic image of legends like 
Yoko Ono and John Lennon and uh, Gandhi and Albert Einstein, among many others. And so they ensured that these very iconic ads were present and in, 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 uh, appeared in places that provided maximum exposure. You know, the back of magazine covers, um, you know, in prominent billboard advertisements, uh, uh, bus shelters, the sides of very large buildings. It was very cool to see that, and they thought very iconic, and by combining the message with iconic imagery, you know, of Albert Einstein, of um, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, of Yoko Ono, John Lennon, all these icons, and tying it to that, it created this iconic brand. Now, take it a step further, every new product embodied that Apple brand of Think Different. But as new products like the iMac and the iBook were released, their ads featured a single striking visual, just like the Think Different campaign ads. And it was just that one simple product with a white background, very simple. You know, another noteworthy Apple ad campaign that I think is really important to bring out here was the iPod, right? The iPod silhouette commercials. I don't know if you guys remember those, but they were awesome. You know, it featured a two, two, you know, it featured a 2D outline of a person dancing along with the white silhouette of the person's iPod and the earphones. That was iconic. It was simple. It, it really focused on the brand that, that Apple was trying to get across. Simplicity, thinking different, being different. And really just calling out the product in a way that really just stood out. Thinking iconic. That by itself is something that's really got to sink in. What does that mean to you? Iconic. To me, just that, that whole idea of, uh, of having that iconic brand is very exciting. And the opportunity to build that into your brand. Very exciting. Very challenging, but very exciting. Golden Nugget number six. This is something I think a lot of us can learn from. I don't necessarily like the name, but whatever. Anyways, Golden Nugget number six, think phrasal. So companies, they can set themselves apart by expressing their ideas plainly and with clarity using very simple sentences and words. Right? This is something Apple has become very well known for over the years. Right? This whole idea of think different, very simple. They're clear, benefit-driven communications. They don't get hung up on the specifications of you know, their iMac and all the technical uh, uh, um, uh, features of it. They could very easily, like all of their competition, but they don't. Right? When Apple names its products, it focuses on simplicity, common sense, and consistency rather than just trying to coin you know, something that's overly unique or overly clever. You know, Jobs, he thought the iPhone was the perfect name for the phone because it conveyed the product's purpose. It's a phone. And it also communicated the device provides internet access with the eye. You know, you can go and look at a lot of our websites, for example, and you can see that the language we use is overly complicated and overly complex. Our sentences are too long. Our words are too big. Like, break it down. Simplify it, man. Like, what is the deal? Why are we overcomplicating it? This was something that... Um, I struggle with because I grew up in the technology space and so, you know, I got used to writing in, you know, very complex sentences, very technical and not very benefit driven. You know, there was no evoking of emotion behind it. And uh, I learned that over time by working with really good mentors who beat me up and they would say, you know what, rewrite this, rewrite this, rewrite this. Well, I hated their guts and I was like, what are you talking about? It's so much better than what it was. I got why they did that. When you communicate in simple terms, when you communicate from a place of emotion, from benefit, it resonates better with the marketplace. You know, Apple did this very well. They do this with their products. They did it with the Think Different. They even extend that same devotion to simplicity to their website content. I don't know if you've ever been to the website, but it's easy to navigate the tone of the content. It's welcoming. It's smart. It's easy to understand. Steve Jobs, he was so committed to simplicity that he actually outlawed the use of modified URLs to support their advertising campaigns. 
you know, really long adver- you know, really long URLs that you would go to and it would allow the advertisers, the marketers there to really track, you know, how many people are visiting that. No, he outlawed that. He said it's not simple, it's too complex. And so they send that message of simplicity to customers through their products, through their product names, through all of their communication. And because of that, people truly understand them. You know, it's funny, uh, Simon Sinek's why. You know, if you go back and listen, I think of maybe episode 12 of Cut the Crap Podcast where we look at start with why. Um, Simon Sinek is famous for using Apple as the example there where they start off by telling you why they exist. You know, most organizations don't do that. They start with what, what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. Simon Sinek argues that the reason Apple is so unique and the reason why people understand them and love them so much is because they start with why. Then they tell you how they do it, and then they tell you what they sell. If you guys haven't checked that one out, check it out. I think it's episode 12, but Start With Why by Simon Sinek. It really drives home this point of simplicity. And for Apple, they started with why. So again, I don't really like the name of this one. Think phrasal. I think this one's more or less um, think simple ideas, think clarity, think simple sentences, simple words. Don't overly complicate it. Don't try to sound smart. Keep things short and brief and easy to understand. Golden nugget number seven, think casual. Companies that operate like small, agile organizations are far more productive. They engage in casual conversations rather than formal presentations. You know, again, this is something that I think maybe um, maybe can get a little misconstrued or misunderstood. You know, Steve Jobs, he didn't like formal, inflexible presentations and behaviors that are common in big corporations like IBM or Deloitte. You know, when he made internal presentations, it was more like a conversation used whiteboards to illustrate his points rather than use, you know, PowerPoint slideshows. You know, he encouraged everybody in Apple to do the exact same thing. You know, when it comes to presentations, when it comes to giving a presentation, when it comes to simplicity, it means brevity. You know, being short, being quick to the point. Presentations that made their point directly are far more powerful than those that sort of, you know, go from point A to point B and sort of meander their way throughout. When teams presented to Steve Jobs, Jobs became very suspicious of their presentations if they were overly formal and overly rehearsed. He's wondering, what are they hiding here? Why, why does it sound so rehearsed and so canned? He preferred that people would present the facts and engage in a discussion about them instead. You know, those conversations he felt were far more beneficial. They were far more easy to get into. You know, and because of that, it created trust. It created a bond. It created rapport. And so this is something I think a lot of sales professionals, a lot of marketers can really try to understand. Casual doesn't mean unprofessional. It just means perhaps a little bit more collaborative, right? Less polish. And this is something that, again, I work on. You know, I can come off sounding very overly polished, actually. You know, especially when I do some presentations. I do some presentations in front of organizations. I've gotten feedback before where they say, you know, Ryan, you're just, you're too polished, man. You know, you got to get a little bit more relaxed and collaborate more. And I take that feedback very seriously. I said, why would they say that? And so I started recording my presentations and I started to listen to myself. And it just, it doesn't sound like I was engaging them very much. I wasn't asking them questions. I wasn't, you know, saying, are you guys with me? You know, I don't know if you guys, are you guys following this? Like, does this make sense to you guys? You know, it didn't really open it up. It was far too canned. And because of that, I, I don't think it, it, it allowed for um, a lot of collaboration. So just some things to think about. You know, how far do you want ca- this idea of casual to bleed into your, um, into your business? You know, in your presentations, perhaps. Perhaps, you know. 
And by casual, it doesn't mean unprofessional. It, again, to me, it means more collaborative. And those are essentially my lessons learned um, from some of the mistakes and some of the learnings that I've had. Golden nugget number eight. This could be a tough one, but think defiance. In the business world, the word no comes up all the time. You know, I want to create this. No, maybe we should suggest this. No, why don't we try this? No, you get that all the time. Well, there might be fairly good reasons as to why something can't be done. There are a few reasons that cannot be addressed with creative thinking. So before giving up on an idea, it's important to examine the negative responses. You know, why did people respond negatively to you? Is there something you can learn from that? Or they just say no because there's something inside of them that doesn't believe it can be done. Because who gives a damn what they have to say? Just because they believe it's going to be a failure based on their own previous experiences, their own philosophy, that doesn't mean it's the exact same for you. A good example from this book is the Apple stores. You know, the Apple stores are one of the world's greatest retail success stories. When Apple first started developing this concept, there were many skeptics. And many people said it was going to be a failure. Well, is it a failure? Absolutely not. Today, Apple has over 350 stores. They place their stores in high traffic locations. People get a really good experience going in there. There's great customer service. They get an opportunity to work with their technologies. It provides a very high quality shopping experience for consumers. Now, the retail stores are just one example of Jobs' reluctance to give up on ideas and cave into the opposition. When somebody has a good idea, maybe you have an idea, you have to disregard negative opinions and you got to keep moving forward. Think defiantly. Don't think, well, you know what? My CEO said it's a bad idea. I'm just going to toss it out and never think of it again. No, screw that. There's a reason you believed in it. If you believe in it, you have to explore it. But at the same time, you have to think critically as to why they said no. Is there something that they said that you can learn from? Is there something that they said that you might be able to incorporate into your process, into your product, into your service, into your offering, into your approach, your idea, whatever it is? Use those no's, those negative responses as opportunities for you to think deeper about your idea and an opportunity for you to maybe learn something that you might not have considered. The whole idea here, though, is don't cave in. You know, think simplistic. I have an idea. If somebody says no, why did you say no? Is there something I can learn from that? Yes, I'll use it and I'll make my idea better. No, I'll toss it away and I'll move forward. This whole idea about thinking defiantly, stick with your core idea, use what the marketplace gives you as feedback and decide whether or not you're going to continue to run with it or if you're going to kill it. Golden nugget number nine. I love this one. Think war. When trying to push an idea forward, you should pull out all the stops. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. This isn't the time to be doing that. This is not the time for a fair fight. You got to be the first one to throw the first punch. And I think we all know where I'm going to go with this one. When Apple waged its war on Intel, one of the first things they did was they threw the first punch. They wanted people to take Mac seriously as an alternative to PCs. So they launched their advertising war against Intel by comparing PCs to Macs. And I guess we all remember that. You know, who was it? I think it was Justin Long versus this short-haired, you know, guy in a, you know, crappy, cheap suit and a tie and, you know, not very stylish looking. But this was a very famous advertising campaign that was very effective. And they went directly at their competitors. They waged war on their competitors. They put their product, the Mac, head-to-head with PCs without even having to name one of their competitors. It was just Mac versus PC. And they did this so damn well. And they did this in a very simplistic fashion. 
They didn't have to use complex terminology. They didn't have to get very complex when it came to the advertisement. They didn't have to have a huge budget for it. It was very simple. Two people standing in a room, white backdrop, one script, two scripts, easy. You read it, done. Background music, perfect. It was very simple. So the key here is, if you're going to wage war, do it in a way that's simple. Do it in a way that's easy. Do it in a way that's going to resonate with your marketplace. Right? So when you're thinking about going to market, when you think about marketing, think about going to war. Because that's what Apple did. And Apple won as a result of that. They did so many things great. And I love just going over this podcast with you guys and going over this book because um, it really reminds us of a lot of the great things that Apple did do to really cement themselves um, as one of the greatest companies of, of um, you know, my lifetime and maybe yours as well too. So in any case, one of the things that I think that's really exciting out of this one is it's, it's almost like you know, it gives me permission as a marketer. It gives me permission to wage war on a competitor. You know, and it kind of stimulates thought in my mind. It's like, how can I wage war on one of my biggest competitors? And how can I do it in a way that's very simple? And again, I don't really want to copy that Mac versus PC. I mean, it's, it's iconic in itself, but how can I do this in a way that is new, is fresh, it's simple, conveys a very simple message, easy to understand, easy to develop. That's the challenge. And that's something that as a marketer, as somebody in business, as an entrepreneur, you can be thinking about. But this very simple point here, I love this one. Think war. Love, love, love this one. Last but certainly not least, golden nugget number 10. Of course, I'm finishing up with this one. Think different. That's something that became synonymous with Apple throughout the years. Organizations that believe in the power of simplicity, they just think different. Now, simplicity, although it's one of the most powerful forces that we have at our disposal, it's very rarely used. Now, this provides an opportunity for smart companies who can leverage the power of simplicity to differentiate themselves from their competitors. It's also important to remember, though, that simple ideas are not necessarily better. They have to also be of high quality. You know, when companies apply the principle of simplicity to very fresh ideas, they can achieve really great success. You know, an example that um, I'm running with right now with a company that I'm, uh, I'm working with, um, you know, I'm coming up with very simple slogans for them that we can bring forward in sales messages and marketing messages and um, you know, some of these very simple slogans are four words max, and they're things that just stick in your mind. They resonate. They tell a story. You know, I think about waging. I think about just waging war on my competitors with these uh, with these very simple slogans and this whole idea of think different. This whole idea of coming from a place of simplicity. It's so powerful. You know, simplicity is that guiding light that can help companies attain their objectives, help them reach their goals. Apple by itself, they've applied simplicity to every single discipline throughout the organization. Now, the good news, the good news is that all of us, every single one of us, we're drawn to simplicity. So every single one of us can understand it. Every single one of us can tap into its power because we all know it. We understand it. Simplicity can take the form of many forms as we've seen throughout this podcast, ranging from an idea to a product to um, a couple of sentences, a slogan, you know, how you approach marketing campaigns. How you have people in meetings, it takes up many different forms. Once you understand the advantages of simplicity, it'll become an obsession. Trust me, it just does. It becomes an obsession. You always try to figure out ways and how we can simplify this. You know, if simple was easy, everybody would be doing it. But it's not. Everyone, everyone doesn't get it. So everyone goes complex. Everyone makes it very difficult for people to understand them. Go look through some of your competitors' websites. Or go look through different industry websites. Look at how they communicate. Not very simple. 
But when organizations view the world through the lens of simplicity, they're often surprised by how many opportunities exist to improve the way their business works. Think differently, my friends. Could be a potential game changer for you. All right, my friends, there we have it. That is insanely simple. The Obsession That Drives Apple's Success by Ken Siegel. I like this book. Some very simple ideas coming from it and, you know, some things that can hopefully inspire you, especially if you're in a marketing role, if you're in a sales role, to rethink some of your presentations, rethink some of your website content, rethink some of the philosophies that you just bring to your overall job. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're in product development, you know, some of these things you can really glean off of and, you know, really bring into some of the things you're doing. That's my hope, essentially. I hope that maybe you take some of the things from this and, um, you know, it inspires you to approach your work in a more simplistic, minimalistic fashion. You know, again, Steve Jobs always said it, you know, if, if simple was easy, everybody would be doing it. But one of the hardest things to do is, you know, to approach work in a simplistic manner. It, it absolutely is. You know, for some reason, we're just predisposed to, I don't know, doing things the hard way. And I don't know why. I don't know why that is. You know, maybe a, maybe a psychologist can come on the podcast one day and tell us why that is. But in any case, some good ideas. Take it from this book. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. That is a wrap, my friends. Thank you once again for coming on the podcast. And I really appreciate you guys being here with me. And um, thank you for your patience last week while I was getting better and, you know, getting back to my my normal self. And, uh, you know, it's just good to be back here and uh, doing things as I always do. So on that note, you guys, have yourselves an awesome week. Have yourselves a productive week. Catch you guys back here next week with a brand new book and brand new golden nuggets. Have an awesome week, you guys. Take it easy. Love you guys. I understand now you are attracted to greatness because greatness is all in you. But it's easier to watch greatness. It's easier to go see greatness than it is to put in the time, to put in the energy, to to discipline yourself, to sacrifice. It's easier. And so that's why you average. You've been doing the same thing. You at the same job. You're experiencing the same things in your life. Nothing has changed. Everything about you is phenomenal, but you've consciously made a decision to be average. You are average in school. You are average at your workplace. Like everything you do is average and not because it's average, but because you made a decision. You made a choice to be average. Why? Because the people around you are average. Or maybe you grew up in an average environment or went to an average school or you work for an average company. And so you've decided, you've decided to go against who you are. No one else feels sorry for you. Only you do. That's the type of mindset when people aren't successful at life. They sit there and they feel sorry for themselves and they want all this fucking sympathy from everybody else. Yet they're not willing to go out there and make shit happen for themselves. Because this is not for everyone. This is not for the faint at heart. This is for people who have goals and dreams that they want to achieve. Everyone seems to think that this world, this government, somebody owes them something. Nobody owes you shit. If you want something, go out there and get it. Go out there and fucking take it. That's all there is to it. You could be great if you just showed up. Get in the game. Quit. Stop playing.
You deserve to see what your life would look like if you gave 120%. You gotta run after your destiny. You gotta run after it. You gotta run after your destiny. 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 You gotta run after it. You gotta run. Because success is never an accident. And if you don't want it, get out of my way. Because there are some people who want to do something with their life who will run.